Hi everyone, my name is Charlie Ifra and welcome to my podcast. Today I'm going to talk about the story of FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried, who's also known as SBF. Uh, but before we get into the story, let me just describe a few definitions. I'll do this quickly um, because it'll help tell the story better. The first definition is blockchain. So what is blockchain? So blockchain is a database technology that instead of being in one central location, it hosts many copies across multiple nodes. Um, nodes could be computers all over the world. And so um, blockchain is distributed and regular databases are centralized. The benefit of distributed over centralized is that because there are many copies, you need consensus from the majority of the nodes in order for the database to be updated. So the next definition um, is going to be Bitcoin. So what is Bitcoin? So Bitcoin is really a cryptocurrency that uses blockchain technology under the hood. So the, the Bitcoin network uses blockchain technology in order to be a ledger, a distributed ledger around money. One other thing to mention um, for blockchain versus a centralized database is that in blockchain, you can't edit a database record. So you, the way to think about it is, is think about it in blocks. So every event that happens on the chain, a new block is created. And so you can never delete a record. You can only add new records to tell what the updated truth is. So if someone's, um, uh, you know, account balance is one Bitcoin um, and now they buy a second Bitcoin, the the um, the record won't change from one to two. The, the database or the blockchain will create a new block and record that change or that update in the new block. And so on the blockchain, you can go back in history to the beginning of time and see every single transaction that happened. Um, the next thing that we want to define is Ethereum. So Ethereum is very similar to the Bitcoin type of network. Um, it has obviously a lot of differences, but at a high level, very, very similar. Um, one of the main points to one of the main differences between Bitcoin and Ethereum is that Ethereum has a layer um, in it called that supports what's called a smart contract. So smart contracts is um, it's a software layer that allows allows um, two parties or more to be able to have a contract that lives on the blockchain in where both parties don't even have to know each other or trust each other and the contract could actually still be executed upon. So I'll give you an example with sports betting. If uh, person A and person B um, make a bet on who's going to win the Super Bowl, um, person A, uh, let's say, says, you know, team A is going to win. Person B says team B is going to win. Um, they both agree that the source of truth um, on the execution of this contract will, let's say, be ESPN. And so once the two parties agree on what their bet is, how they're going to know what the truth is or who really won, um, so they have a source of truth for that. They also um, agree upon what the winnings will be. Once all that happens, that contract is coded in, in software and it lives on the blockchain. Now, as soon as the smart contract, so as soon as, let's say, the Super Bowl, the game ends, we know who won the game. 
Um, the smart contract knows who won the game because it's referencing ESPN. As soon as that happens, the smart contract automatically triggers and it settles the fund, the funds in the winner's account automatically. And so smart contracts are actually brilliant. And a lot of people in finance think that that's the future um, just because it can eliminate so much when it comes to the way contracts are done today uh, versus uh, the possibilities of how contracts could be done on the blockchain, uh, specifically in this case, the Ethereum blockchain. Now, Ethereum has something called a token, and most cryptocurrencies have tokens. Um, the Ethereum token is called ETH or ETH, and the, that token is also traded on the cryptocurrency exchanges. And one of the simplest ways to think about a crypto token or an Ethereum token in this example is almost like, this is controversial because a lot of people don't like this comparison when it comes to uh, the way cryptocurrencies are looked at, but I'm going to use it anyways as a comparison. Um, similar to a stock. So when a stock is traded, if the company is valued more um, today than it was yesterday, then my stock is going to be valued more. Um, similar in cryptocurrencies, the more a network is used, the more in demand the Ethereum network is, the higher value the Ethereum token is going to be. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind is that most blockchains um, and cryptocurrencies have a token associated with them. Um, so now uh, let's just call out three types of companies that are in the crypto world. Uh, the first company is a crypto exchange. Um, basically what a crypto exchange is, is it's a, usually a software platform that allows companies or individual users to buy cryptocurrency. So usually they would buy it with fiat currency like US dollars. They would take their US dollars, buy, let's say, Bitcoin, and then on the exchange, they can trade that Bitcoin for Ethereum or they can trade it for any other cryptocurrency. They can switch it back to Bitcoin. They can even um, sell their Bitcoin and close their position um, and transfer the Bitcoin back into fiat currency and transfer it back to their bank account. So the facilitation of all that is done on a crypto exchange. Uh, the next type of company that we want to call out is a crypto lender. All a crypto lender is, is a company that will let um, me, for example, stake my Ethereum with them um, at a certain rate. So let's say I'm getting 5% from this company. They're going to go then, the crypto lender will go then and turn around, lend that money to an institution. They'll get paid a higher interest rate. And so they're making a part of the spread and then they're paying out to the uh, owner of the crypto or the person staking that crypto. They'll pay them out a percentage of their profits as well. It's attractive to end users because uh, most of the crypto lenders are paying out a lot more than what the banks are paying. So people are converting their cash into cryptocurrency and getting a much better return on it. Um, having said that, you need to be really careful um, because the risk around crypto lenders is extremely high. Personally, I stay away from it. And personally, I don't really recommend anyone to go into that. Uh, and then finally, the last company or the third company I'd like to quickly outline or define is a crypto hedge fund. Now, crypto hedge funds are basically regular hedge funds or funds that specifically focus their investments within 
cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum or uh, derivatives of those company of those uh, uh, blockchain technologies. And so it could be in uh, crypto uh, hedge funds could be uh, buying and selling um, stock in publicly traded companies that are heavily invested in Bitcoin. Um, so those would be like Bitcoin derivatives or they would actually invest in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency itself. So now that we described, um, you know, these definitions, I think I can jump into the story and we can, I, I think most of it will make sense or be a lot clearer with these definitions outlined. So in 2017, Sam Bankman-Fried uh, starts this company called Alameda Research, and he starts buying Bitcoin on U.S. exchanges and selling them on the South Korean exchanges at a much, much higher price. And he was making very big profits. And the way he was able to do this is he found that in South Korea, there were a lot of loopholes that people had to jump through in order to set up the right accounts or the trading accounts in order to buy or sell Bitcoin. Now, because it was so difficult to buy and sell Bitcoin in South Korea, the actual price of Bitcoin was much higher in South Korea than the rest of the world. And so what's, what Sam Bankman-Fried did was is he was able to get through all those loopholes. He was able to set up all the right accounts and based on the rules and regulations of South Korea. And then he was able to buy Bitcoin in the U.S., move it to South Korea and then sell it at a very high profit. Um, now, if you think about it, this type of strategy, first of all, this strategy is called arbitrage trading. And this type of strategy, the way um, you can do, it can actually be done very easily with very low uh, initial capital. Think about like if you can buy one Bitcoin and then move it quickly, sell it for a profit, move the funds back to the US, buy more Bitcoin and keep doing that and reinvesting the profits into more and more. Um, very quickly, um, it's reported that he was making millions of dollars a day doing this arbitrage trading. Um, and over time, um, he realized that the speed in moving the money back and forth is very, very key to the success of this arbitrage trading. And so what he did was, is he started developing software that can move this money very quickly for him. And basically what he ended up realizing is he's building a crypto exchange um, and he was building some uh, interesting and really good technology. So SBF goes out to the VC world and he starts raising capital to start his own cryptocurrency exchange, which we know now as FTX. So he goes out to the VC world and um, uh, VCs like SoftBank and Sequoia Ventures, even the Ontario Teachers Fund, heavily invests in FTX um, in the billions of dollars. And FTX also goes on to um, buy the naming rights for the stadium that the Miami Heat play in. It's called FTX Arena. He then goes on to recruiting all these celebrities uh, to invest into FTX. And um, SBF is seen as this, you know, cryptocurrency uh, hero. Forbes magazine announces that he's the next Warren Buffett. Um, 
people are writing articles about him and he's such a genius that even during the Sequoia pitch, he was playing video games in the background, uh, but he's so brilliant that they, you know, even they found that cool when, you know, if someone is playing video games while I'm, ha I'm having a meeting with them, I'd hang up. Um, but for some reason he was able to influence and he was able to, um, make people really believe in him being a, you know, this crypto genius. And to be honest, I set up an account with FTX and, you know, for those of you who don't know, but I have a, a deep background in product development and building software. And I set up an account with FTX and I browsed around the interface and the user experience. And to be hundred percent honest, um, the platform was amazing. The UX is amazing. The UI is amazing. It was fast. I think that the technology behind it was legit. I think it's truly valid. Um, and he was truly able to build something really special. Um, and I, I think very, very powerful. So another thing that FTX did is they created a token. Their token was called FTT and FTT was traded on the FTX platform and it gave the users um, on the platform some perks, mainly around um, discounts. But another thing that it did was um, FTX committed to buying back its own tokens as the company's value goes up. So people that believed in FTX, which was most of the world, um, they actually found value in holding the FTT token um, just because they thought that the company would continue to increase in value. Um, before FTX went bankrupt, they were valued at $32 billion. So you could imagine the hype around the FTT token. Now let's talk about the downfall of this company and what happened. So in November, a few weeks ago, actually November of 2022, um, Coindesk, which is a reporting agency, mainly on everything going on in the crypto world, reports that there are some irregularities in the balance sheet of FTX. About a day or two later, the CEO and founder of, of um, Binance, uh, he goes by CZ, uh, he tweets that if he was holding any FTT tokens, he would liquidate them now. And as soon as that tweet went out, um, most of the FTX users who were in the know they panicked and they just started, they rushed to their platform, to the FTX platform and started liquidating their assets and trying to convert everything back into US currency or to move their crypto off the exchange and potentially into other exchanges or into private cryptocurrency wallets. Now, what happened was, is because um, there were so many withdrawals happening at the same time, um, the truth of what was really going on with FTX got revealed. And the truth was, is that FTX did not have the funds in their account to support their customer withdrawals. And at that point, FTX as a platform just froze all of its withdrawals and users just got a message that says withdrawals are frozen at this point in time. Um, and that's where um, the company literally in days went from a 32 billion valuation to basically filing for bankruptcy. So now that FTX is in bankruptcy court, the court documents are revealing a lot of new information. And it seems that there was a lot of corruption between Alameda and FTX, Alameda Research and FTX, both companies um, that are owned by SBF. 
And it seems like uh, because, do you remember the arbitrage trading that SBF was doing? It seems like other crypto hedge funds got a hang of what he was doing. And because more and more people were actually going through the loopholes and being able to do the same trade, it eventually leveled out the price of Bitcoin in South Korea. And these profits were no longer possible. So SBF seems to have been looking for new ways to make profits at Alameda. And one of the things that he did was he gave Alameda Research special permissions on the FTX platform to basically do unlimited trades. So in a traditional um, uh, stock market brokerage account, you're going to um, be able to trade on leverage. But if you um, over leverage yourself, you're going to get margin called. And basically, when you get margin called, the exchange has permission to liquidate your assets. Now, that's normal for every exchange in order to protect themselves. What FTX was doing with Alameda is letting, letting them make trades with, um, without margin calling them. So they were really giving them unlimited leverage. Now, another big corruption that was happening between FTX and Alameda is that Alameda was capitalized with the FTT token. And then FTX was basically lending their customer funds to Alameda. Now, Alameda obviously made some really bad trades and they were losing money. So when uh, CZ tweeted about the FTT token and all the customers rushed to do their withdrawals, there in fact wasn't customer funds available. Those funds were lost um, through bad trades by Alameda. And it's estimated that there's about $8 billion in customer funds that are lost. It's also reported that FTX has um, over a million creditors, um, which is indicating a huge impact on other counterparties with ties to SBF, FTX, and the whole empire going on over there. So in conclusion, it seems like the money between FTX and Alameda were always commingled. And it also seems like there was a two-way corruption between the two companies. Um, and time will tell to see what happens um, with these bankruptcy filings and hearings. And we'll see if the customers or any of the customer uh, funds will ever be recovered um, and returned to their uh, rifle owners. Uh, before we wrap up, I just want to read to you a quote from the current CEO of FTX. So when companies go into bankruptcy, usually a new CEO will come in um, just to handle the entire bankruptcy uh, procedures. And so the current and new CEO at FTX dealing with the bankruptcy is a guy by the name of John Ray. And um, I'm going to first read to you a quote from him, then I'll tell you who he is. So uh, John Ray is quoted as saying, in my 40 years of legal and restructuring experience, I had never seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here. Now, John Ray is, he formerly served as the CEO of Enron after the implosion of the energy company. So for those of you who don't know, in 2001, there was a massive scandal with a company, an energy company called Enron. Um, and it was known at the time as the largest corporate fraud and corruption that ever happened in, um, in the history of corporations. And um, this a former CEO of the Enron scandal is now claiming that 
based on this quote that this is now the new Enron. So congratulations, Sam Bankman-Fried, for um, outdoing corruption um, at the scale of Enron. Um, I hope that the people get back their funds. Uh, it must be devastating to lose that type of money. Um, but one thing to one lesson and one takeaway um, that I can leave with everybody here is if you own any cryptocurrency, um, make sure to custody the currency yourself. So there are these things called crypto wallets that you and only you have access to. And if you buy any cryptocurrency on any exchange, the first thing you should do is move that crypto to your own personal wallet to make sure that you are custodying it so that if your money is sitting on an exchange and if the exchange goes under, uh, you're going to lose your money. But if the exchange goes under and the currency or the crypto is in your own wallet, you're going to be protected. Anyways, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this was informative. Uh, please hit me up. Please like and subscribe. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye for now.